Well, I've got a message today and I know that we're already well into our time together, but this is a great message and I really believe uh, it's important. I had a different message that I was going to share and I really felt the Spirit of God while I sat down. He started to turn me in a different direction and uh, he said, you know, a lot of people have, have finished talking about Easter, but he said, I haven't. <laughs> and so this message today is called the after party, the after party. <laughs> so if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me. You should have your Bibles, and if you don't, you can go get them in your bedroom because you're in your house and we're not at church. So grab your Bibles, and we're going to go to Acts chapter 1. Now remember, Jesus, he comes back, he rises from the dead, and he starts to present himself to those that were mourning his loss. And he says, see, everything I told you I was going to do, I did. I rose from the dead three days after they killed me, just like I told you. I was going to do and he starts presenting himself and and even thomas who who puts his fingers in the hands and the feet of jesus that they, they all start having this amazing hope and you know i really want i really feel like god is talking to us today to stop looking with reminiscence at the story of the resurrection and we need to start putting the fuel in the tank of what the resurrection did for the church and for the world, okay? We can't just be nostalgic worshipers. We have to be present livers of the resurrected power. Today, 2020, April 2020, it can't just be about the roast lamb you had last week. It has to be about the risen lamb who ever lives today to pray and talk to the Father on our behalf because he's sitting right next to him. Amen. So let's go to let's go to Acts chapter one. I'm going to read few, uh, through a few things, and we're going to talk and reflect. And I want every single person, whether you just got saved last week, whether you just prayed a prayer 10, 15 minutes ago, or whether you've been in church for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we're going to go through this. And I want each of us to reflect: What am I doing with the risen Lamb of God? What am I doing with the resurrection power that Jesus got when He rose from the dead? Okay. So, so Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, and of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now remember, when Jesus rose from the dead, he stayed for another 40 days. He didn't just go back to heaven when he rose from the dead. He walked, talked, ate, and he, and he fellowshiped, and he instructed his disciples and the faithful few that, that had followed him. And he presented himself to many, many people, um, you know, that, that in that period of time, uh, it caused such a potent stirring, okay? Remember, you remember that right at the end, after they crucified Jesus, the Pharisees gave a larger sum of money, a very large sum of money, it says, to, to spread rumors that, you know, um, oh, the disciples just stole his dead body. That they were they were they were rampantly trying to cover it up, uh, frantically trying to cover it up because they understood that the, the 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 myth of Jesus rising from the dead would do greater damage than than the the damage that they thought Jesus was doing before he was crucified. And so they paid thirty pieces of silver. They paid even a larger amount of money to try and suppress this this myth that Jesus might have risen from the dead. Okay. So, so let's start reading here. Let's keep reading here. Uh, verse, verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments 
to the apostles whom he had chosen and to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering. Come on, Jesus didn't just rise from the dead. He showed, he showed proof. He, he brought the evidence to those that he presented himself to, proof that he had risen from the dead, that he'd gone through tremendous suffering, but he had risen from the dead, conquering sin and death. Um, after a suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during the 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now we go to verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from, to, from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Come on, see, Jesus... He wasn't done just to rise from the dead. He was now empowering his disciples and his followers because there was a much greater mandate coming. That's why he said, greater things will you do after me if you'd believe. See, he was now empowering the many to do what he had done. He was now empowering the many to, to be a representation of the kingdom of heaven and to spread it virally across the world. How about that word? Uh, uh, verse six, therefore, when he had come... When they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you now, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? See, because the whole time that Jesus was alive, they had misunderstood why Jesus had come. They thought that God had sent Jesus to, to expel the Roman occupation and to get rid of the Roman rule and the tyrannical, um, uh, almost oppression, and set the, the, the kingdom of Israel free so that they could stand on their own feet free of enemy soldiers walking up and down their streets, free of uh, uh, um, rulership from Arab, you know, outside uh, nations and, and crucifixions daily, okay? Because that was very common. They were a very oppressed people. And so now they're saying, okay, now, now that we've got this done, Jesus, uh, have you come now to finally restore Israel to be its own kingdom? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority but you <laughs> stop being distracted by things you think that's the priority but actually my father has the priority and if you stay close to me i'll show you because it's not always what it looks like it's not always what it seems like god's gender looks like foolishness to man and so why it's so important that we lean not on our own understanding so many Christians and professing believers have been so distracted through this season, getting caught up instead of keeping their eye on the Father. Because while they are all thinking, oh, you know, is God going to do this or is this what's happening? God's actually very calmly moving towards his objective. Come on, somebody. And we need to make sure that we don't create our own reasons why we're in seasons and that we walk in God's purpose and plan for us and we stay soft and tender to his voice. Amen. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's talking about the different realms of influence and sending. Okay? Uh, verse 9. Um, now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched... He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Jesus literally levitated up into the sky. A cloud surrounded him and he was taken up into the heavens. Isn't that amazing? 
What an exit, man. Because he exited the same way that he's going to enter. I want you to get that. He left. The, it talks about that in the end of time, or the last days, that, a, that an angel is going to blow a trumpet. And the Bible says that the clouds or the sky will be rolled. It's going to literally peel back like an orange. The, the sky is going to be peeled back like a scroll, the Bible says. And Jesus is going to come through with the armies of heaven behind him. It is going to be, the Bible says, a great and terrible day of the Lord. See, he came just on his own. He didn't need an army. God is the army, okay? But when he comes back, the armies of heaven are going to ride with him, and they are going to bring all things into subjection to the kingdom of God by force and by power. It's going to be, it's going to be a God that not many people have actually recognized because we're busy worshiping a little five-pound, three-ounce baby Jesus. Jesus is a mighty king. He is a warrior. He is a champion. Okay? And so he, he was just, if you can really, if we could really capture that through the grandeur of the big picture of eternity, we see this general king. He is a general. He's a captain of the host. And he's come down meek and mild, showing the love of the Father, laying his life down, telling people, okay, now, now my time has come. I'm going to be going back to the Father soon. But your job is to wait in Jerusalem until my spirit comes upon you and you will be filled with power from heaven to be my witnesses. See, not so that you can live a great life, although a great life will probably be part of the story. Maybe, maybe it'll be difficult, but that's not really the goal. The environment's not the goal. What we are called to do is be the witnesses of heaven for everyone that would listen. Because after we die, then we don't get any more chances to get the lost saved, okay? So we are now in a season of mandate to, to, to be the witnesses of Jesus so that everyone who possibly would, would be saved and not perish. Okay, verse 9. When he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. He just disappeared. And verse 10. And while they were looking steadfastly towards heaven, I want you to pay attention to this. While they were looking steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them, and while and they were in white apparel. Now, these two men were not men, they were angels. Okay? So so Jesus is looking, you know, and they've got the, whoa, look, there's an airplane, their mouths are open, uh, Jesus is flying up into the sky, and two men appear standing next to them. Okay? Jesus is still flying up into the sky. I want you to see the ferocious focus of heaven, okay? Jesus is now, he's lifted up, and so while they, were, while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, verse 11, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Okay, you see, these angels were coming saying, hey, see, the same way he left is the same way he's coming. Now, what are you going to do in the meantime? You've got to read in between the lines there. Okay, so, so we're, going to, we're going to keep reading here. Um, let's go to uh, Acts chapter 2. I've got a bit of content to come through today, and hopefully I can get through it relatively quickly so we can get our point. Come on, we are now in the season of the great after party of the cross. Okay, and it's not a party of entertainment, it's a party of participation. It's a participation party. So, so we know that in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, they were all assembled in, in one room. Um, they waited there. 
uh, for 40 days. So they, Jesus was with them 40 days and then they were in the upper room for another 40 days. So now, you know, that's a couple of months. Well, 40, 40 days is about a month and a half. So we've got about three months after the cross and they're there. There's 120 of them in an upper room. It started with 500. It dwindled down to about 120 people that really were serious and they wanted Jesus. Okay, there's people that left. Jesus showed himself to 500. There's only 120 left. 40 days later, they're up in the upper room and they're together. They are focused. Okay, and the Spirit of God comes on them. And we hear that for the, for the first time that everything changed since Jesus left. And people realized, in that room at least, that everything from Moses till then had now changed. Because they didn't have one man going into the Holy of Holies once a year. Now the Holy of Holies had come to them all the time. Okay? Because Jesus had taken away the wrath of God against sin. And now we had a way to approach the Father. God now has relationship with us. Because prior to Jesus, God's wrath was aggressively against sin, which put a barrier between us relationally. Jesus changed that forever at the cross, making us... Uh, have a re the opportunity for a relational interaction with God. Okay, so so now the mighty rush. The Bible says that a sound like a mighty rushing wind came in. They all start praying in another language, praying in tongues in other languages, and it says that tongues of fire came and stood on on top of everyone's head, and the the city was amazed. And the same Peter that ran away. This is how you know it wasn't just an experience because Peter was a big talker but a bad walker. Okay, he was a big talker, but a bad walker because, uh, you know, he talked a strong game, but he didn't he didn't back it up. When they came for Jesus, he chopped ears off. He he ran off. He lied. He cussed. He denied, and and he wasn't at the cross. He wasn't the guy that was like, "We'll go with you to the ends of the earth," and he didn't back it up. That's why he was the one running to the grave because he'd realized the error and the pain of of what he'd said versus what he'd done. But now the Spirit of God has gripped Peter, and it's not just hype and charisma. Strength has come into Peter. Boldness has come into Peter, and now Peter is a new man. He's been changed into a new man. He has now got the Spirit of God in him, causing him to be able to stand in things that he wasn't able to stand in before. So he stands up and he preaches to everyone outside. He's like, guys, this is nine in the morning. Everyone's saying that there's like 120 people up there that are drunk. There is a crazy party. It's a day club. It's 9 a.m. and they are still raging. And Peter's like, whoa, guys, that's not what's happening here. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Come on. It was the fulfillment of what God had said that he was going to do. Jesus has now said, hey, wait in Jerusalem until my spirit comes on you. The spirit is now coming upon them. And Peter stands up. And that speech where before he was denying Jesus, come on, he denied Jesus three times. And then watch this. God multiplied that three into 3,000 because 3,000 people got saved. Come on, somebody. Talk about a hundredfold. So God, able, God was able to redeem it, and the 120 became 3,120 in one day. This is what the church should look like. The church should be so on fire that the world is getting captivated by the person of God. Amen? So, so I've just summarized that for you. Let's go, please, to uh, Acts chapter 2, and uh, we're going to go to the to verse 40, which is after, it's still at the tail end of this, but but. There's 3,000 people being added. So 
uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 40, and many other words he testified, Peter, and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. I don't know any other time on the earth where that statement could be more relevant than what we're in right now. Be saved from this perverse generation. Verse 41, then those who gladly received this word were baptized, and that, that day were about 3,000 souls were added to them. Come on. We need some 3,000 soul uh, altar calls, guys. We need some 3,000 3, souls coming out of darkness, not just transferring from churches. Some people need to get out of dead churches. There's a bunch of dead churches out there right now that are, that are scared, that are powerless, that are, that are, you know, that are Egypt churches, that are dead desert churches, and you need to get out of there. If that's you, you need to get out of there. But, but I'm not trying to knock any other church, but I am here to say this. You were called to be in the light and in the spirit of God and in the freedom of God and the liberty of God and walking in the power of God. You see, but, but ultimately our goal is, is to get the lost saved, not to get the saved converted. Hello? Our job is to get the lost saved, not the saved converted to our church. So, you know, if people want to come join our church, that's great, as long as they're coming out of dead stuff and not because it's the, the next great thing. Amen? Okay, cool. So, so 3,000 people were saved and baptized uh, that were added to their number. And they continued, watch this, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. See, they didn't just come in. This is a major issue, guys. I want to just draw our attention to this for just a second because this is a major issue with the humanism that's in the world today. People come into a church, they get saved, but they come with their own opinions and agendas and ideas instead of coming in and listening to, to the leadership's uh, doctrine and teaching and being baptized and, and walking in prayers and learning the lifestyle of following Christ. We, we need to stop being a know-it-all generation and being a teachable generation so that, like Paul said, he said, I labor over you until Christ Jesus is formed in you. This is why people are in church, they have a whole bunch of knowledge but no power because they've come in, they've learned language, but they've kept their hearts in a place where they still have their own opinion uh, above someone that's walked further with God. Does this make sense? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't think we should. We should be Bereans. We shouldn't, you know, if I'm preaching something that you can say, well, look, that's not scriptural, come and tell me and I'll listen to you. But don't, don't come with your opinions and your arrogance if you don't have the word of God to back you up. Because opinions and arrogance really don't mean a whole lot of anything to anybody that knows and understands the kingdom. So, you know, and that's not here to put anyone down. I just want you to mature, not just to get bigger in your own eyes. Does that make sense? Because we're called to be conformed to the image of Christ, not to a humanistic filter on what Christ should look like so that he's relevant in a PC world. Amen? Okay, cool. Awesome. <laughs> now watch this, verse 43. Then fear, which actually means like awe and wonder, verse 43, then fear, awe and wonder came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who were believed, now all who believed were gathered together and all things in common. Okay, we're going to stop right there. They had all things in common. Now let's go over to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Whew, I'm having fun today. I don't know about you, but I'm having a whole bunch of fun. Acts chapter 4, I'm going to read from verse 1. This is awesome. Verse 1, now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came to them. Come on. So Paul 
is, sorry, Peter and, and, and John are speaking to the people. They're talking to people. So who comes? The same people. Remember, it's just three months later. It's just three months after Calvary. The hole is still fresh in the ground where they dug the cross into Calvary, where Jesus was crucified. The blood is still in the soil. Come on. <laughs> those same Pharisees, those same chief priests, are now coming because their worst nightmare has just manifested. Come on, this is awesome. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple. Now, the captain of the temple was the same guy that came into the Gethsemane at night with Judas, with the flaming torches, with the swords and the spears and the shields to arrest Jesus. Those same people are now watching a new breed speaking the same language. Come on, this is exciting. And the Sadducees came with them. Watch this. Verse 2, being greatly disturbed <laughs> that they taught the people and preached Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. They weren't just preaching Jesus who lived and died in, in, in Galilee and Jerusalem and Israel. They were preaching Jesus, now the resurrected from the dead. <laughs> Their worst nightmare. They, got, they didn't even get a refund. They paid all that money to have the story suppressed, to have people spread rumors. It didn't work because you can't hold down the power of God. You can't put media to block the truth and the good news. You can't do anything to suppress the gospel. You suppress the gospel, you persecute the gospel, it gets stronger, it gets more pure, it gets more potent, it goes more viral. You can't stop the kingdom of God. So watch this. <laughs> I love this. I'm going to read from verse 2 again. Being greatly disturbed that they preached and taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrected from the dead. Verse 3. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day. Watch this. For it was already the evening. Verse 4, however many of those who had heard the word believed, it's too late, baby. You can't shut down the truth. You can't shut down the power of God. The power of God is not to be contained by men, and it cannot be. Woo, I'm getting excited. Come on, somebody getting excited? And the number of the men that came about, uh, came to be about 5,000. See, so now it's gone to 3,000. Poof. Now, just a few days later, now we're up to 5,000. This thing's going viral. That's better numbers than Wuhan. That's better numbers than coronavirus. Come on, somebody. We've got some good numbers. This gospel is potent. This gospel is contagious. This gospel was meant to be shared, not hidden. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could have a relevant Christianity and suppress your neutral, you know, PC, you know, lifestyle so that people would have to guess through your cryptic little words and your, you know, certain little innuendos that you might be a believer. No, no, this was made to be spoken even in front of our enemies where the people that crucified Jesus, who, 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 who Peter and John knew full well, had the ability to do the same thing to them. They preached just as boldly now. They weren't afraid anymore because they understood they now worship and live for the king that raises the dead. Come on, Jesus. Woo! I'm getting a, I hope someone's just freaking out in their living room. This is awesome. I love it. See, we need to hear the full story. We need to hear that Jesus didn't just die on the cross and resurrect to pay for our sins. We need to understand that Jesus came to empower the church to live a victorious life, to live a, a shameless gospel, to preach a viral message, to live an unashamed, uh, uh, unrepentant demonstration of the kingdom of God. Come on. 
I'm getting, I'm just getting all hyped up on a, and I did have a Mountain Dew earlier, so there you go. Come on, Jesus. Woo! <laughs> okay, so we're now up to 5,000. Verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers and elders and scribes, as well as, watch this, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas. Remember that guy? The guy that disqualified himself by tearing his robe. Caiaphas, same guy. So Caiaphas, the guy that oversaw the crucifixion of Jesus, he's now here looking at his disciples. Watch this. Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, as well as many, uh, as were the whole fa the, the family of the high priest, were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or what name have you done this? Because now miracles are happening. Now, the, the same miracles Jesus was walking in are the same miracles these guys are walking in, and girls. Because there was women doing it too, okay? Come on, there's women. There, come on, we'll get into that in a minute. Woo! shaken back I'm getting all hyped up verse 8 then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them rulers of the people of Israel if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has uh, has he has been made well so, sorry so by what means he has been made well let it be known to all of you to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. They literally call him, you remember the guy you crucified three months ago? Yeah, it's that power that we're walking in now. Come on. Can you see the conflict? Can you hear the tension in the air? This is potent. Come on. Woo! I'm all excited. <laughs> whom God raised from the dead. <laughs> Now, now, the irony of that is that the, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they weren't even allowed to say the name of God, but here these men who have relationship with God are now calling his name out in public. Whoa. You understand that, 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 that the, the Jewish religion was not allowed to say the name of God out loud, and here they were speaking the name of God out like he was a family member because he is a family member now. Come on, somebody. Woo! By, by him, this man stands here because they just healed this guy. Before you hold, this is the stone which the builders rejected, which was rejected by the builders, which has been become the chief cornerstone. Jesus, they're talking about, it's, a, it's Isaiah, they're, re they're referencing the book of Isaiah. Nor is there any salvation in any other, for there is no other name. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated men, these guys were just fishermen. These guys were just guys that were like not big deal in society. The Pharisees, they, they, they ranked themselves like lawyers and doctors. They thought they were like, a, like an educated aristocracy of the day. They were the gateway to God. Okay, They had so much arrogance in their position, but they're looking at these men saying, hang on a minute, there's something going on here. Because these guys were just fishermen, but they're talking like they're scholars. Come on, somebody. Woo! Perceiving that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Come on. Someone needs to know that you've been with Jesus. Someone needs to know that you've been with Jesus in your bedroom. Someone needs to hear that you've been with Jesus where no one else knows about it. Someone needs to know that you've been with Jesus and not had to put it on your Instagram to prove it to the world. Someone needs to know that you've spent time being intimate with Jesus. See, that's one of the reasons I fell in love with my wife because I could tell that she wasn't just a church girl. She was a Jesus-loving girl and that she'd spent so much time with Jesus that Jesus had changed her. 
Okay, you need to be someone that when someone looks at you, it's like, there's something about you. You're, you've been with Jesus. Not just you go to church and you understand church culture, that you've been with Jesus. <laughs> Come on. When you've got your enemies looking at you marveling, saying, hang on a minute, I know that you're just a fisherman and you smell a fish and your, and your hands are all cut up and you're not really got the, the best accent, but I can tell that there's something in you that speaks of a higher power. Oh yeah, and I, I can tell by your language that you've been with Jesus. You see, when you've got your enemies telling you that, you're doing something right. Come on. Woo! Watch this, verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against him. Come on, I like this. I, I really, really like this. Let's keep reading. Verse 15. But when they, when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall be done to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them. A note, see, they, they, you can't argue with the power of God healing people. You, you can't, look, if you do something wicked, yeah, you should be condemned. But if you're healing people, you, you can't condemn that. Okay, because these Pharisees still need to look good. You condemn someone for doing a good thing, that's going to look bad on you. You're now going to be the aggressor. Okay, let's go to verse 16. Uh, saying, what shall we do to these men? We're just backing up a little bit to make sure we didn't miss anything. For indeed, what, what a that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Verse 17. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. See, they're, they're going back to controlling the truth. See, every time the enemy tries to suppress the truth, every time the enemy tries to oppress the church, the church is going to grow more. The church is going to go viral more. We're going to get more lost saved. And the enemy here, is, the, the devil, is showing his same strategy through these Pharisees as he does himself personally. Okay? Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in his name. Woo! So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach the name of Jesus. Verse 19. But Peter and John said to them, whether it is right in the, in the sight of God to listen to you more than, than, than to God, you judge. You, you, you're the Pharisees. You're, you're the guys that are the religious leaders you tell me whether it's more important that I listen to you or to God more. See, that's beautiful. See, that's the wisdom of God now coming out of Peter. I like it. Before he was he was a coward. Now he's got the wisdom of God starting to resonate in his life. Verse twenty: For we cannot speak but the things which we have have seen and heard. So he's like, we're only going to say the stuff that we've seen and heard. Verse twenty-one: So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them. Come on. Because of the people, since they all glorified God for what he had done. Now, isn't it interesting that the Pharisees used a mob to convince Pontius Pilate to kill Jesus. But now they arrest, just three months later, now they arrest Peter and John. And there's 5,000 men and probably a whole bunch more women and children that have now been converted. And now the Pharisees can't exert the same power on Peter and John because they have a mob of people that, that have seen and heard the same things that Peter and John have done, and now they're dealing with that same pressure of the crowd. Interesting, isn't it? Verse 22, For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Okay, so I want you to see 
that, you know, Peter and John and all of the disciples and all of the people that had gathered around them had actually now immediately sprung into utilizing the power of God and walking it out, and the city was immediately starting to be turned upside down. Guys, we've had this gospel for as long, like I've had this gospel most of my life. How about you? Maybe it's been a few weeks, maybe it's been months, maybe it's been years, maybe it's been decades. What are we doing with this gospel? This gospel was made to turn the world upside down. The story of the cross doesn't finish with an empty tomb. It finishes with cities getting converted, with people getting healed, with demons coming out of people. It finishes with, with, with religion trying to oppress in vain the power of the gospel and the truth. That's why in Romans chapter 1, Paul comes out and says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation of all who would believe. Come on. Come on, we, we need to get so, in, you know, intuitive, sorry, in tune with God that, that this thing gets so potent on the inside of us that we forget, you know, the protocols and the PC and we just go after souls. We go after demonstrating the nature of God, demonstrating the power of God, demonstrating the agenda of God and seeing lives getting changed, redeemed and delivered. I'm telling you, there is a great turnaround a foot in the church today because there has been something that's tried to shut churches down and I'm here to tell you that the Spirit of God is getting ready for a massive comeback. There is a huge turnaround and you need to be a part of it. You can't come out with the same, you know, you might have gone into this quarantine a little bit afraid like Peter, but you need to come out bold like Peter in Acts chapter 4. You need to come out bold like Peter in Acts chapter 2. You need to let the Spirit of God change you where you actually look and sound like you've been with Jesus and not just with other humanistic opinions. You need to let God get a hold of you and let a shift happen where you start having a passion to see the kingdom manifest everywhere you turn. Grocery stores, gas stations, at the local pharmacy, at the beach, at the street, in the local park, wherever you are, at your place of work. You know, guys, we need to actually start living this. Jesus didn't just die so that you could sit complacently in your salvation, but rather so that you could demonstrate the power of God to everyone who would possibly believe, so that heaven would be believed and hell would be disconnected with. The Father's not okay with the majority of the earth being subjected to a, a, the devil as their master. And it's our job to now pursue freedom and deliverance, demonstrating the goodness and the mercy of God. Come on, is someone getting something today? Because I am. I, I'm getting blessed and encouraged. Let's go over, I'm going to finish here with uh, Acts chapter 16. The gospel cannot be contained. The gospel cannot be oppressed. Every time the enemy tries to intimidate the church, the power of the cross is brought straight back into that moment. The, the, the kingdom cannot be contained. Um, Acts chapter 16, this is my last scripture and I'm going to land. I hope someone has been just fired up and fueled in their spirit. Acts chapter 16, I'm reading from verse 16, and I'm going to read through to verse 34. But now it happened... As we went to prayer, uh, that a certain slave girl possessed by a spirit of divination, you might call that a um, tarot card reader or a fortune teller, spirit of divination, okay? It's false prophetic, false, um, false future telling. And some of it might even be accurate, but it doesn't mean that it's coming from heaven. That's why we have to be so careful how we deal with the prophetic. 
possessed by a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much profit. So she was a slave that had a witchcraft spirit on the inside of her, and she would have been seen as an oracle, and they would have used her like a prostitute, but rather for fortune, okay? They would have had people pay, and they were just using her like a machine to make money for them, okay? So, so um, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, whom, whom proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. Now, I hate to say this, but a lot of Christians today would turn around and say, that's an amazing prophetic gift. We need you to come minister in our church. There's a lot of people that won't, that won't have discernment. And so it went on for many, many days. But you see, there was a dark spirit behind what that girl was saying. Because even the devil, you remember when, when Jesus went and fasted for 40 days, everything that the devil said to him was scripturally possible. Everything that the devil tempted him with was scripturally founded, but it was a demonic agenda and a demonic spirit. Just because you're being suggested to do something and it has some kind of, well, I could do this because this is what the Bible says, doesn't mean it's God prompting you to do it. You have to know the difference between a counterfeit spirit and the spirit of God speaking to you. Come on, somebody. Woo! So this girl's, so verse 18, and this she did for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed and or probably perplexed is a better word, uh, bothered, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out and, and he came out that very hour. So that, that spirit in the middle of the marketplace, there was deliverance ministry. Oh, we just need to take them in a back room and have a quiet little controlled inner healing and talk about all the wounds from the past and how it got access. Now, in the name of Jesus, you come out of her. And that girl had manifest, a demon comes out of her. She's probably crying and, you know, really torn up on, in, in the middle of the marketplace. But oops, now the masters, the slave owners, don't have uh, a slave to make the money anymore. And now they get upset. Okay? So... Verse 19, but when her masters saw that their hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and grabbed them into the marketplace to the authorities and dragged them in the marketplace to the authorities. And, and they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. Well, they didn't trouble the city. They actually set the city free of a demonic voice, which is a good thing. Okay, they didn't trouble the city at all. You, you, you can't ever trust when a demonic person has an opinion. I don't, that's why I don't give opinion. I don't give any value to people with opinions because opinions aren't kingdom based. There is no opinion in the kingdom of heaven. There's only facts and truth. Okay, so <laughs> we need to get this. Opinions, your opinion doesn't matter. God's truth and absolute uh, uh, light shines. There's no gray areas. There's only yes and no. Right and wrong. Truth and deception. So, 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 <laughs> so, so Paul had cast this demon out of this girl. Her voice had now left the city because it wasn't her voice. It was actually a demon voice that was bringing a demonic agenda and opinion to everyone. And now, the magic, now, now these guys are saying, well, they, this girl's been troubling our whole city. This is how we see it. Verse 21. And they teach the customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Verse 22, then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded uh, them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison. You see, Jesus was actually abused and he said, no servant is greater than his master. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. 
Stop trying to live a Christianity that makes you look like a hero. Stop trying to live a Christianity where everyone's going to love you because the truth is, is not everyone's going to love you. And if you truly want to follow Jesus, some people are not going to like you and you have to be okay with that and you have to be grounded in authentic identity. And can I just say this? There's a lot of people teaching identity these days that only have a theology of identity, but they don't have an implementation of identity. They know how to perfectly parrot the theology of identity, but they don't know how to implement, and they haven't got it implemented here, that when calamity comes, they respond as a son or a daughter. They know the right words to say, but they don't know how to have a posture of identity. Okay, so let, let's just carry on here. Guys, we have to be okay that if people reject us, it's okay, because you don't know the words you say. That person might never see you again, but in four, five, ten years' time, the Holy Spirit might take the words you spoke and just hound them with that truth until they yield and you might see that person in heaven. Stop making it about how good you look in a moment or how many opportunities you get or what you know what doors open for you. Or Stop being such a political Christian. There is no political Christians in heaven. There's only obedient sons and daughters. Okay? I know I'm being very direct, but we need to hear this truth in this time because this time compromise has become the norm and true absolute obedience has has started to be labeled as extremism and it's not extremism it's just healthy kingdom okay so let's keep let's keep going here and when they had laid verse 23 when they had laid stripes on them they threw them into the prison commanding the jailer to keep them secure having received such a charge he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet to the stocks now you have to understand something about about roman culture especially around military rule the, the guards that were standing outside the, the, the grave of Jesus, remember the door was sealed? All those guards, when, when the angel came and they fell down as dead men, they, it says they shook violently and then they fell down as dead men, all those guards would have been put to death because to disobey your orders and to fail was punishable by death. Okay, the, the, this, this jailer here who's been now given, he would have been a Roman, most likely Roman soldier. He would have been given charge of these two it was coming from a government, the magistrates was government court. He would have been given charge of Paul and Silas. That was, and he, they were like, do not let these guys go. Do not let them escape. You know, this particular group of people has a, has a habit of escaping and getting out of jails and getting out of graves. So make sure you look after them really well because, you know, th these guys are top priority, you know, maximum security guys. So he puts them in the inner court of the, or in a chamber of this prison, and he doesn't just put them in there, he secures their feet into stocks which are wooden, uh, two wooden planks with holes and they clip them together and the feet are through them. So you can't get out, you can't even walk, you can barely move. Okay, so, so you know, and later on, you remember about Peter, how he was in prison and I think there was, either, there was either four or 16 guards that were watching him and the angel walked in, put all of them to sleep and he just walked Peter out of the prison while the whole house church was praying. All of those guards would have been killed because that's what happened to, that was Roman culture in the army that if you fail, you die, especially on something of that nature. It wasn't PC like it was today where there'd be complaints on the internet. They would just be killed, and that was an acceptable punishment for failure to complete an order. Okay, that, that's, We have to understand that. Okay, So let, let's keep re reading here. Uh, verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and, to the, and the prisoners of, uh, were listening to... See, you can put us in prison... And we'll get the prison saved. It doesn't matter. You cannot stop this gospel. 
So, so Paul and Silas weren't in a place of like, well, you know, our circumstances have changed and we started off trying to serve God with our whole lives. And, you know, just a few months ago, and you know, well, it was more than that. It was several years later now, but it was like, you know, I gave God my whole life and I'm now worshiping God and I'm serving him and I'm being shameless and, you know, I'm boldly proclaiming the truth of the gospel. And here we are and look, it's brought us to prison. It wasn't that level of response because their relationship demanded deeper level of maturity. And so instead of that, they, they were worshipping the God who supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory. They were sitting there in prison more free than they were the day before. They were worshipping God, praising him, singing songs, and all of the pe people in the prison were now listening to hope coming out of this men, th these men that had been put in maximum security. Watch this. So they were singing songs and, and the prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. So th th their worship, th this power that came in Acts chapter 2 is still potent here. Okay, And their worship was now changing their environment. Okay, Now, Verse 27, and the keeper of the prison awakened from his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the, the prisoners had fled. Because here's the thing, when you're a jailer and you have prisoners, you don't really presume that everyone's hanging around in the prison. You just assume immediately, well, the doors are open, everything's broken, everyone's run away, my life's ruined. Okay, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. See, he didn't need to go check. Because a normal human being is going to run out of a prison. Okay? So he was getting ready. And he understood that it was better that he killed himself than that he was punished for failing. Remember? I just talked about Roman law. That's why he was getting ready to kill himself. He didn't have an instant case of depression. He understood the consequences. Verse 28. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, bro. For we're all here. We're all here. We're hanging out. We're just having a worship set. The sound guy got a little carried away, but we just had a little worship set and things got shook a little bit, okay? <laughs> Verse 29, And then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Come on, it doesn't matter what situation you're in. The God, look, this should not be happening. The prison guard should not be falling down at his feet saying, I need your Jesus, when he's the guy that holds the, the prison keys to everyone. He's running in saying, hang on a minute, I see your God just shattered my entire prison and that you're, you stayed here. What kind of people are you? Because I need in on this action. I am so convicted because I know this wasn't normal. I've been studying men's behavior my whole life. I know that prisoners are prisoners and they're going to run out of a jail and they're going to say, God did this for me. But here you are sitting in this prison, worshiping God, comforting me. I don't have to kill myself. I need your Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that this gospel was released when the gravestone was rolled away by the angel. This power of resurrection changes everything. And it has to look different in 2020. Like it looked different for Peter. Like it looked different for Paul. It has to look different for you and me. You cannot contain this gospel. This gospel is living and powerful and able to change not just your life so that you can have a comfortable Christianity, but everyone around you seeing the potency and the fervency of the gospel living on the inside of you. So I really hope this is... This has helped someone today.
I really, really hope that someone has been challenged. Guys, we have to come out of complacent Christianity. And we have to see that, that it's not just about having some lamb or whatever you like to do to celebrate Easter, which is not really Easter. It's really the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it, guys, the after party looks like Jesus handed the keys over and he said, now it's your turn. You need to live in the same power that I demonstrated. You need to walk in the same level of freedom. You need to see graves open. You need to see the sick healed. You need to see the demon eyes set free. And you need to preach this gospel everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. And with words. So don't, don't come at me saying, oh, just, you know, just with words if necessary. No, no. If there's no preacher, how will they hear is what the Bible says. So forget your little cute little quote meme. I'm going to go with what the Bible says that says, how will they hear if there is no preacher? Not how there is no mime act. Okay, they don't need a mime act. They need Jesus to come out of your mouth. They need to hear Jesus preached unashamedly and, and, and this gospel to be demonstrated in power, word, and heart in Jesus' name. I pray someone's got this. Come on, guys. It's time we get our neighbors saved. It's time we get our community saved. We are the hope of the world. Creation is waiting for us to stand up and say, okay, this is what heaven looks like. This is what the demonstration of the Father's heart looks like. This is what healing looks like. This is what deliverance looks like. This is why I can sleep in the boat while you're freaking out thinking that this coronavirus is going to drown everyone. I'm taking a nap because I have a different benchmark. I have a different environment. I live in a different place of peace. And, and people need to see that and it should draw them to you. And you say, come be with me like I'm following Jesus. Come on. So I just want to encourage you, I'm going to land right here, that, you know, if, if you need to say, look, man, God, I've been living passive, I've been living apathetic, I've been living, you know, lukewarm, and I know that I've, I have some language, but, you know, I need to go all in, God. Now it's time for me to go all in, and I ask that you would just change my heart, that Holy Spirit, you would convict me, that you would fill me with so much fire, that, that, my life would start to look like a beacon of hope coming straight out of the throne room of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I just really encourage you guys to start being more intimate with God. Start calling on the fire of heaven and start calling on resurrection power. Jesus didn't just die so that you could live happily ever after. He died so that the resurrection power that he paid for with the highest price tag in the, in the store, the highest price that could possibly be paid, he paid for. Not so that you could bury it under the ground as a talent that you don't know what to do with, but that you would just give recklessly of your love and your life and that you would demonstrate and preach Jesus crucified, resurrected, and risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, that has now delegated all power and authority to every single one of us so that we can be called the children of God. I love you guys. Be blessed. I pray you have a wonderful...